0: Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I hope you enjoy this study. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Study Podcast. We are in the studio today, again with myself, Travis Pauly, Wes McAdams. Yeah, hi. Welcome back. Hi, Hi. thanks. And we've got Mr. Kirkwood back Uh, for another episode.
1: It's good to be back. (laughs)
0: Glad to have you. Wes, yeah. what is our topic for today?
1: You know, I
2: thought we would this. I, I, I admit this doesn't necessarily fit with the theme of the Bible Study Podcast. I guess, although I hope we hope hopefully we can pull in some scripture and some biblical ideas and and relate what's going on currently with what Scripture says to give some encouragement and hope and direction. But I also just kind of want to pause for a second and think about where we are in, in terms of what's going on in the world, in terms of what's going on in Christianity, and and where we go from here. And I especially want, because both of you are younger than I am, um, I guess probably a lot of people listening think I'm young, but then, then again, a lot of people listening may think I'm old. It's all relative. Uh, <laughs> but you guys are both younger than I am, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on what's going to happen with church attendance after the pandemic is over. Um, obviously, most people in in our area, most people at our congregation for sure, um, and I, I just read a statistic that said about half of church attenders across the country have gone to online, mm-hmm. so that means that and at our congregation right now we, we're having in-person services. This is we are currently nearing the end of january 2021 when we're recording this and we are having in person services although there's you know restrictions and all of the risk mitigation things that are going on and so we are about 20% of our pre-pandemic numbers are in-person and about 80% online. Although, given our online numbers, it's actually probably higher than that. We've got people from other congregations all over the country and even the world that are that are watching and participating in our online service, but about 80% of our congregation is not in-person and about 20% is. And since the beginning, the question has come up, what's going to happen when this is over? Obviously, when when streaming first became a thing, there was a fear. I mean, long before the pandemic, when churches first started streaming their services online. And I, I'm guessing, although I don't remember, I, I'm not old enough to remember when churches first started televising their services, um, I, I'm sure that there was the same sort of fear that was questioning what if people decide not to come to the building and they decide just to watch on TV. And then when they started streaming, then people began to ask, what if people just stay home and stream the service instead of coming? And then the pandemic hit, and then pretty much the entire country went to online services and started streaming, at least for a while. And then that question again reared its head wait a second what's going to happen now is anybody yeah. going to come back after this is over or what if a lot of people don't come back or what if part of our people don't come back what if people just decide it's easier to roll out of bed on a sunday morning and watch online instead of coming in person so what do you guys think what's i mean we're just kind of peering into our crystal ball here but what do you from your perspective both as some people that are involved in church and in ministry and in church life, but also as... Are you guys millennials? Oh, yeah. I am. Travis is a millennial.
1: Caleb is not. I don't believe so, no. You're Gen... Gen Z? No. Gen... I'm in my early 20s. I
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know... Gen Gen X is before millennials, and then it's millennials.
1: And then it's Gen Z. Gen Z. So is that you? I would assume... You're how old? How, let's I, go by ages instead of generations. <laughs> I'm 23. Okay, you're 23 and... 26.
2: 26. Okay, so we got two guys in their 20s. We'll put it that way. Uh, two different <laughs> generations, technically, but but both in your 20s. So from your perspective as, as young Christians who are heavily involved in church and church life and ministry, what do you think... Life is going to look like church life, church attendance is going to look like post pandemic.
0: Man, I think I think you know, you and I have had some conversations about this outside of the podcast and and I think one of the things that we keep coming back to is is how it was kind of primed for like the pandemic was kind of bad timing, I yeah. mean all the way around, yeah. but definitely I think with church. Um, I mean I think you already were seeing some attendance problems and especially amongst our generation. Yeah. Um and in the more conservative circles of Christianity were you know, not not as many young people sticking around. Yeah. And now it almost seem it it just definitely seems accelerated that, you know, what are what are the needs that church is providing yeah. for? Yeah. And and I think, I think that's going to be a tough, I think that's going to be a tough sell back. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. think, you know, I mean, so much of this is kind of dependent on how long Oh we're, yeah, absolutely. we're yeah. sort of restricted and and, yeah. and, 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 and set up like this because, um, I think there, I think right now, obviously we know there's lots of people that are eager to come back. Right. And I think. The long, I, I I just I can't help but feel that the longer this goes on, the more the question gets asked. You know what, you know what it what is my community I'm a part of? What yeah. where where is it? You yeah. know, because mm-hmm. I think I I mean I know there are a lot of people struggling with that. I struggle with that. Yeah. I, you know the, um, we we just had a new minister Marcus start with us here at McDermott, and he was he was uh, he mentioned. A family. He just started right in the middle of all this, yeah. and he mentioned a family that attends here. And I went, "Man, you're learning names, and there's nobody here. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's really impressive." And and it reminded me. I was like, "Man, whoever he mentioned, I haven't seen them in." Yeah, you know, I haven't I know. seen them in a in a year oh, almost. Yeah, yeah. And I think
2: every time I see old pictures or see old videos, yeah. and I think, oh yeah, where I haven't seen that family or even heard from them in in a while. And and just so people have context, this is McDermott is a congregation where our average attendance before the pandemic was about a thousand on a Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. there there are a lot of people, and and so because
0: we're we're probably not even at three quarters. Or we're probably even higher than three quarters of our members online, technically.
2: Yeah. So we've got yeah you know, we've got about two hundred. We average a little over two hundred on a Sunday morning in person. So right. we've got about twenty five or yeah about um, yeah about twenty percent of our pre pandemic numbers are gotcha. are in person, and then about eighty percent are online. So
0: yeah, and I think man, I I, I just keep thinking about how so much of what's happening i think in church is sort of reflective of of just everywhere because yeah. there's 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 so much um that we were plugged in with before that hasn't been an option and i think the 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 dark side of it to me is if you start seeing that you can if you start seeing well i survived without it you know there's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. because i think there's obvious obviously there's people and I think all of us have a sense of eagerness about coming back. But the longer this goes on, the longer, you know, you start going, we're doing okay. We're doing, that's interesting. We're doing fine without it. That's you know, interesting. I, I just wonder about that.
2: I wonder. That, I mean, that's a good question. And that, that's because that's never crossed my mind because I don't feel, you know what I mean? I don't sure. feel that way. Yeah. And and I don't talk to people that feel that way. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know anybody right now that's saying... I'm doing fine. You know what I mean. Right. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> Which is a sad thing. That's that's horrible. That nobody is saying. Oh no, no. This is good. I, there, there are. I should say there have been some things that people have said. Actually, I've really enjoyed working from home, and I've really enjoyed sure. more time with family, and I've really enjoyed... But as far as the, the church community, there's very few. Al- although, I will say, the people that I do hear that from, as the words were coming out of my mouth, it occurred to me, I have heard that from some older members, mm. which actually really surprises me. Yeah. Most of the people that I hear say, I, I am starving for being together with everybody again, singing together and fellowshipping together and being together in the same room like it was before. The people I hear that from are young people, young Mm -hmm. families. The people I don't hear that from, the people that are saying, actually kind of like this online thing are the older folks yeah. for whom it was really hard to get out before maybe and, and it's just really so much easier to stay at home and, and watch and so I I have a feeling we're, we're kind of talking about younger generation not coming back after the pandemic it might end up being that most of our older members stay home and watch online because the, the people that I do hear that from like, I don't feel like I'm really missing out on anything right. surprisingly because I would not have expected that I would Expected to be the other way around is the older people that are that tend to be
1: saying that kind of thing. Yeah, it may be. um <clears throat> Excuse me. It may be uh, worthwhile to make a part two to this episode, and but instead of having mm-hmm. us young guys uh in yeah. the guest seat, yeah. uh get a couple of our older. I'll
2: just zoom them in because they won't be here in person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, in that the ext- the uh, the extreme caution like that. You know, I, we're all kind of wanting a day where that's gone. Sure. It's like, I think that's going to gradually over the years go away, Yeah, you know, and I think for a lot of people that, <clears throat> that reason of being cautious. And I think that's going to last. I think that we're going to, yeah, that just may be a reality that we have. Especially yeah. that age group, the, sure. the,
2: those that are in a higher risk, because I mean, obviously there are other there are other viruses and other yeah. dangers and things like that, and and it's really hard to go from being sort of germophobic for a year to not being after yeah. a while. That's, I mean, what's I, that genie's out of the bottle?
0: Right. It's right. really you're, yeah. you're right. You're right. That <laughs> it is
2: going to take a while to be comfortable. I look, I watch, I, maybe a, a commercial from a sporting event, or I see these huge crowds at a concert or something like that, and and I think I get a little bit nervous like that. I, I don't even really remember what that feels like to be shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people. Yeah. But I will say that's I did not great. I, I mean, did. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There, there's definitely some downsides. I did see some pictures from Wuhan, China, where oh, yeah. all of this started, and they're back to having in person concerts and yeah. and in person gatherings, and and so. They're, they're, if they can do that there and after all of the loss of life they endured and all of the things they endured and can get back to feeling comfortable with that, it gives me hope that that we will as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe to that, um, humans are creatures of habit more than anything. Yeah. So it honestly just goes down to how long does the pandemic take for the status quo or the habit of wearing masks? Um, staying six feet apart, all the yeah. uh, social distancing, COVID restriction, whatnots, but would probably be the biggest factor there. Right. But I, for us younger guys, um, I think for me in particular, I'm more introverted in nature, mm-hmm. which, um, <laughs> for being so outgoing in small settings, being in groups is just sometimes too much. Yeah. But The whole shoulder-to-shoulder at to a shoulder to concert <laughs> thing doesn't appeal to you at all, huh? No, I'd rather be on the uh, outside edges going, wow, y'all are all packed together. That's cool. <laughs> y'all have fun down there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but part of, the, I don't know how to describe this particularly, but uh, a lot of the younger generations are already more interconnected virtually. Mm-hmm. So that that, and we're not... <laughs> we are physical beings we need uh, in some subconscious level, yeah. um, I would say divinely inspired on that on that front, right. to be physically close to people. Yeah. And since all of our major contacts are virtual, mm. all of my close friends are at, at the shortest distance, at least an hour away from me. So I have to uh, make an extra effort to text them, email them, or anything like that to actually interact with them. Where with this, uh, in a church setting, it's less than 30 minutes from my house. I can come here and (laughs) kind of get all the interaction that I want and need, as well as, uh, connecting with God in the social setting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that the interaction is, you know, it's obviously like we think of it as important, you know, it's important to have community. It's important to have, you know, physical contact with Mm -hmm. people and, but I think also like one of the other things that we've seen amidst all the tension of last year was how much worse it became yes. because we were not seeing each other. Yes. Because when you see, when you see somebody that maybe you vehemently disagree with on a weekly basis, you can look in their eyes, you can shake their hand, you can give them a hug and you can over, you can overcome a lot of stuff with that. Yeah. But when you're not seeing somebody, when you're arguing over, you know, in a comment section when you're, you know, a late night phone call, uh, you know, whatever it's, that's not the same. Yeah, and I think right. if anything, I mean, obviously we, you know, I'm 26 and borderline done with social media because I I can't stand it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that doesn't, you know, that it's not productive. And in the midst of all this, it actually became, I think a poison for oh, people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It was toxic. Yeah. And it was, it was always kind of, it was called, it was always kind of ironic to me that that was happening amidst being, working at a church and putting out church on social media, and then you know. Yeah. Al, but but I think ultimately the the problem is being exacerbated by not being in person and yeah. not
1: yeah. You you lose a lot of the depth in oh, conversation. Yeah. Uh, when you just put it onto an online platform, because yeah. that's not a real person. It's not. You it's don't an have, avatar. Yeah. You mm-hmm. don't catch the. Um, even with someone I vehemently disagree with, which mm. is only like five people, because... <laughs> would you give us their names? No, oh, just no, just no, 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 no. <laughs> I would dare not do that. I'm just kidding. Please don't. I'll put them in the liner notes of the yeah. podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you their contacts cool. too. Um, but even with someone I vehemently disagree with, I can catch their more... I don't know how to else describe it, but their more humane aspects of yeah. them, the... Yeah. Whenever I inadvertently cross a line because I'm frustrated at them and yeah. say something I I regret, right. I can catch that and go, ooh, yeah, darn, you see my bad. Cringe, I'm so right. sorry about that. Right. Yeah. But even if
0: they see it two seconds after you post something, it's it's not the same. It's yeah. It's you know you you don't have that uh, the unspoken interaction it, that you would have in person where it's like, hmm, I can tell I'm <laughs> I can tell I'm ruffling some feathers, or yeah. or right. they can tell my feathers are getting a little ruffled. And man, you lose so much of that. And I I think that's like, that's even like, that's just a side effect of, again, something that technically has nothing to do with that. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're staying, staying in more and and distancing because of a pandemic. But then, um, you know, because we have this technology to put out a lot of good stuff, it's also (laughs) removing the, you know, the, it's it's giving you the illusion of interaction.
2: Yes. And I think, and all of this reminds me of one of the key doctrines of the gospel. And I think that, I think this is where there's a lot of overlap and, and importance and significance in that is the incarnation, that, that the Word became flesh. And that's not only true in what Jesus did, but in what the Church does. The Church is the the gospel incarnate in the world. We are living out, or supposed to be living out the gospel. We are supposed to be the body of the Christ, of the Messiah. And so there is a, a part of our fellowship that has to be incarnational. It has to be in the flesh. And, and of course, and we're not saying that what we're doing right now is unimportant or unnecessary or whatever. But but it is to say that there are, I think this is what you're getting at, Travis, that there are unintended consequences for the situation that we're in right now and just recognizing that. And I, I think that there are going to be a couple of things. I, I do think, uh, to get back to more, pra- not maybe not practical, but the, the nuts and bolts of it, I, I think that there are going to be people like you said, that say, well, I don't really feel like I've missed that much. And I think part of that may be, what were you trying to do in church attendance anyway? What mm-hmm. what role did that serve in your life? And, and there may be a big difference between the way that different generations and different individuals, but especially the way different generations approached church attendance. There are some people that attend because they were in the habit—you talked about habits earlier—some people attended simply because it was a habit, and they'd always done it. They wouldn't know what to do on Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night if it wasn't for church attendance. Then there were other people— that that for them it was a command of god and they were they were fulfilling their duty as a christian and so they felt like that was their christian duty and they needed to check that off of a list for other people it was more consumer minded and they were going because they were getting something out of it they were going for what they could gain and there other people were going for what they could give you know so there are all of these different reasons people came in the first place and so I think that the the way that we recover is going to be different for different people. For the people that it was just a habit, they may be gone forever. Like sure. the, because their yeah. habit is fully, totally, completely broken. And maybe now they found they formed a new habit and now whatever that is, whether it's online attendance or they're not attending at all or something else. And so, you know, for those people that and then for the consumer centric people, the people that were just coming for what they could get out of it, well, that that's an interesting question too. Maybe they notice there's something huge missing in their life and they're trying to get that back, or maybe they've supplemented that with something else and they think, right, well, I don't need that anymore. And and so they're they're satisfied because they they fulfilled whatever they were trying to get out of it before with something else. The people that feel like this is a command from God, they're really hurting right now because they feel like I can't fulfill this command from God. So there's all of these different there's all of these different reasons people came in the first place versus what they're going to do now. And I think that that plays into how people respond now and how people respond later. But I think that also gives us an opportunity to have a better—the fancy word is ecclesiology—what is the church, and what does Mm -hmm. it mean to come together, and why do we come together? If— all you if the only reason you came to church was to hear the singing and hear the preaching and to hear the prayers, mm-hmm. it, in other words, if you were spectating before mm-hmm. I, I suspect that if you were a spectator before online becomes a much easier option because it's like I can be a spectator at home mm-hmm. a lot easier than I can be a spectator at the building. It's the same reason I would rather watch a concert or watch a football game or watch a baseball game at home than I would go there. There's some benefits to going there, but for the most part, it doesn't cost as much. I don't have to drive, I don't have to fight the crowd. So it's a lot easier to watch it online or watch it on TV than it is to to go there. But we've got to change our thinking and we have to we have to help people to understand that being a spectator wasn't wasn't the way we were supposed to approach the assembly in the beginning and, and we and it certainly isn't now. And so we we have to help people I think understand that when you assemble it's not to be a spectator but to be a participant and it is a different experience for lack of a better word it is a better it is something very different to come and participate than it is to simply spectate online or be a spectator in person
0: because you probably have a different perspective on you know do i want to go to the rangers game uh, or not if you were playing, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. if you no were joke. on the team, right. it's absolutely. like, well, obviously I'm going to show up. Yeah.
2: Or you were actually interacting with the players, right. even if you weren't a player, but you, you were a coach or you mm-hmm. were taking them water or you were, you know, talking to them, interacting right. with them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think, I, I think another thing that, you know, cause obviously church is just one thing in our lives mm-hmm. that's gotten interrupted and changed. And, um, but i think for i think for a lot of people it's the biggest yeah, it, yeah and and it's the yeah. biggest change it's yeah. like well you can still shop but you can't you know there's just restrictions um but to to have a lot more restrictions around church i think it's hard for people and i think i i think it's easy for church anyway to become something on a checklist that and at this point it's just not getting checked off yeah um and i think I I wouldn't even put church here in this place. I would put being a Christian, like it's throughout the letters that Paul writes to the churches. I I think there's a common theme of what is your identity? Oh yeah. It's, it's in Christ. And if it's not in Christ, well, here's all the problems you're going to have. Here's Mm -hmm. all the problems you're going to have throughout, you know, in churches like Corinth and 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 throughout Galatia and, um, and I think that's something that, again, the physicality of coming together, the importance of being in being in the room with each other and communing, there's, you know, even if you don't know anybody, you know, I've traveled a lot and visited churches and, you know, you don't know anybody there. And um, and so, you know, sometimes you meet a few people and sometimes you just, you know, maybe you just come in and you sit in the back and mm-hmm. leave. But even then it's like, it's it's a really cool feeling. That there's Christians all over the world mm-hmm. meeting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I get even if I don't know anybody here, we have this in common, and I think that's something that has been severely damaged. And I don't, I, I don't mean to be cynical, but I don't think we're going to know the damage that it's been that's been done um, until we're back. Yeah, that you, <clears throat> that it's a lot harder to have that in common now. It's a lot harder to look, you know, because I I think we're all wrapped up in different identities Mm -hmm. because there's again, because this pandemic, among other things, this pandemic affects us all in different ways. Um, And I think I think one of the things that's really damaging is that church is another thing on that list, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only thing. Yeah. And I think that I mean, that's something that on an individual level, we all have to. We all have to decide. Well, who am I? You know, what, what, what's the thing that takes the cake for me? Is it mm-hmm. is it the fact that I'm a Christian, or is it or is it the fact that I'm fill in the blank? Yeah. You know.
2: Well, and I think that that and that's a really super interesting point. And I've been thinking a lot about identity, and I've been thinking a lot about collective versus individual. Um, I'm reading a book right now called "Misreading Scripture Through Individualist Eyes," and I'm starting a new series in February about the collective nature of the church. And and as Westerners, we tend to be um, we tend to be individualistic. It, it, not necessarily true across the board, um, but I'll say, especially as white Americans, we tend to be very individualistic. And even as far as identity is concerned, so many times we think of it as far as who am I? Mm -hmm. Whereas collective people tend to ask the question, who are we? Who are we as a people? And I think that that's part of what has been revealed in 2020, 2021, Man, I hope we can stop saying adding 2021 on the end of that. <laughs> Let's just say 2020. But I think that's what's been revealed in the midst of all of this is that so many of us have a very individualistic identity where we think of me. What do I need? Who am I? What is my role? What is my whatever? And so we tend to think very individualistically. And and I think this gets into church attendance but it has to be a collective identity who are we as God's people who are we what what does it mean for us what do, what is our role in the world and for us to see ourselves as a part of this group if church if if we quote unquote go to church and that's one of the reasons i i don't like that term like go to church because it's like church isn't Something you attend. It's something you are. It's something you are every single day. And that you're know, talking about social media. In fact, I got a lot of pushback when I when I said on social media a few months ago that you are a part of the church all the time, like not just when you're here at the building, and not when you're just doing something with the church. You are the church. We are the church. All of us are the church every single day, and what you put on social media represents the church. You represent the body of Jesus, and we have to learn to see ourselves as a part of this collective body, this collective group, and what when one member hurts all the members heard. When one member rejoices, all the members rejoice. And so we have to that that you're so right, Travis. That has to be our our question: is who are we? We have to think about identity and think about collective identity. And I think that one of the things that this this has brought out is that sometimes pol- political identity. Um, political identity or other identities become more significant, shape us more deeply than our collective and shared identity in Christ. Pardon this very brief interruption, but I want to tell you about the Bible study software that I use, Logos Bible Software. If you want to take your Bible study to the next level, Logos is a great way to do that. They've partnered with us to give our listeners a special deal. Check it out at radicallychristian.com slash logos. That's radicallychristian.com slash L-O-G-O-S.
1: Now back to the Bible study. What's kinda of interesting while you were talking about that, I kinda of reflected of what's going on in the world of Politics. My family enjoys watching that from time to time, <laughs> um, and Spect- some- spectating. Oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> spectating. And we have a running commentary every time the news is on. It's hilarious, honestly. Um, but uh, something that I've kind of noticed that knowing that individual collective mindset, mm-hmm. um, you kind of see this uh, the world, uh, the United States in particular is kind of catching on to this idea of the world of individualism is kind of terrifying if you let it run rampant so they're trying so most people are trying to reset the collectivism or the collective thought mm-hmm. of the wor- of our culture which is really interesting because uh since everything's on the world of the internet um it's just <laughs> It's the most uh, unique aspect. Um, whenever we talk about, we were talking earlier about words and talking to people, uh, the image came up in my mind of uh, this person, I can't remember who, if, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I don't remember you, I'm sorry, <laughs> of words are like bullets. Once they're shot, you can't bring them back. Mm, yeah. And what's really interesting between in person and online is I'm close by whenever i uh, shoot that hurtful thought at someone and go, yeah. oh, let me remedy that since yeah. I'm right here standing by. Yeah, you can see that it stung them. Yeah, yeah, but in the world of online, it's more like playing sniper, uh, yeah. long well, range sniper games right. with each other. Right,
0: and that's to me, and that's where I, I mean, and Wes and you and I have a lot of conversations on the podcast and off about the, you know, the individual versus collective, mm-hmm. and that's where I find the collect, like the collective. Thought like you guys brought up, I find that to be like that's I think of it as an illusion because I think the social media, like what we're talking about, the like the danger of, and I think it's like an oversaturated community. It's like if I'm at church and you know, like we said, we have about a thousand normally uh, on Sunday morning. I don't know, a th- I don't know a thousand people here, but I know a good portion of that. that Walk by, say hi. Couple that I'll stop and have a conversation with, and then the pandemic happens, and you know I see a lot less people. But those people that that I do see and that I do talk to on a regular basis, like I would even include, like I have an individual relationship with them. But I don't have an individual relationship with everybody on social media. I don't have an individual relationship with like the amount because our our scope has grown so much. Mm-hmm. We have such a big audience. We have such a big, you know, like you said, you put something out on, you know, on Facebook. And it's not just the person who it was intended for that's going to read it. Now, even they're going to read it with, uh, you know, the, the, the unfortunate filter of, you know, you probably didn't think about what you said like you would if you were saying that to them in person. You probably didn't cushion the blow if there's, if there's, if there's, a, if there's a hit in there um, like you would in person. But also, guess what? There's also hundreds of other people that are gonna see it. And that's, man, I struggle with like, that's that's changing. I think that's, I mean, it's definitely changing us as humanity mm-hmm. because the more that I, and I've found myself having to do this a lot in the last year, is let me just focus on the people <laughs> that I see, that those 12, 15, 20 people that I see on a regular basis, let me focus on that as because those are the people I have individual reactions with those are the people that I can I can actually be myself and and be myself with and um, we can have difficult discussions and get through it because there's not all these unfortunate filters that you have with this idea of thinking you know we always talk about think globally act locally I'm starting to think think locally act locally like that's what I'm, I and again a lot of that's Uh, That's for myself. Like, I, I, because I, I know I'm going to get in too much trouble if I, if I start branching out with, with people that I don't have that connection with either at all or anymore.
2: Well, I think you bring up some really interesting points. And I think, I think that it's really a matter, and I think that gets to, even when we talk about collective identity, mm-hmm. um, we have to we have to define that because we all are part of we're part of humanity collectively, mm-hmm. we are part of the United States of America collectively, we are part of Texas collectively, we part, we're part of Colin County. You know, so we're all part of different collective groups mm-hmm. and we have to decide who are my people? Like, yeah. who are my people? and And we all, I mean, you could think of it as concentric circles. And I think that's even how collective collectivist cultures would think of it because they would see a different a difference between the collective of their of their family unit and their community and their country. so they would they would see, well, who are we? In right. fact, in Texas, apparently there's a difference between y'all and all y'all. <laughs> y'all is, is like you and your family. Right. All y'all is like everybody in the room. It's yeah. like, how, how are y'all? Well, he means me and, and my wife and kids. If he says, how are all y'all? That means, how, how's the whole church family? So, right. so there's a difference between y'all and all y'all. So we have to... I, and I think that, again, it, it comes down to who are my people, well, again, I, I think that we could have concentric circles on that. On a very broad range, I think we have to say, my people are are Christians. My people are Jesus' people. And then I think that I think that I think you're right. And I think that this will be a a reaction to what we've gone through the last year, that we're going to have to find very close-knit groups that we can <laughs> to borrow the Often use phrase "do life with" mm-hmm. uh, that 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 we're, that this is my my tight group of of community. These are these are my closest peoples. The, this is my immediate group, and, and I think that both have to be true. But I think I think we get in trouble. I think that just saying just talking in terms generally of individual versus collective is dangerous in the fact that neither one is good or bad, no. neither one is right or wrong that that I am an individual, but I'm more than an individual. So I have to think collectively. but who who is my collective group? That's where I think you're right, Caleb, that that we do see we're starting to see this shift in culture where people want to think collectively. And that's all right, I suppose, as long as we still are defining our people because I don't I don't share the same values. And, and you can't be a part of a collective group unless you share the same values. And I don't share the same values as my neighbor. And so there's a sense in which we're part of the same collective group, but there's a sense in which we're not. We're, we're in the same community, so I love them and I want what's best for them, but... That's not my people. My people are Christian people, but I also have to learn to think outside of just what's good for me and this 12 or 15 or 20 people. I have to think, and and it's challenging, and and it does come with all sorts of of challenges, and I think you're exactly right, Travis, that, that there is a benefit to that personally, and and there's another word we could add to the the collection of personal versus individual there are benefits to having a small a small group but there are also there's also a responsibility that we have missionally sure. in our community and missionally in the world but i think you're right i think social media has created just this untenable situation for how we interact. But but again, I think if we choose to enter into that world, we have to choose to enter into it in a way that takes responsibility, not only for ourselves, because I think that's where we get into trouble with the individual collective idea and mindset, is that we say, well, I'm only responsible for me, and I'm only responsible for the things I say and do, and I'm only going to do what's best for me, and I'm going to look out for me and I mean there is some some truth to that there you you do have to take personal responsibility and you have to have personal ownership but if I only say I'm only responsible for me and I'm only going to look out for me then I also am neglecting the responsibility of of the group of which I'm a part primarily the church and so I think we have to that that's what has been lost I think a huge part of it in the pandemic is that we have been forced to live individually and living individually tends to reiterate the the way of living individualistically. And there's a difference between living individually and living individualistically and and we we i'm I'm I am afraid that if this goes on too far and too long that we forget we are more than individuals. We are part of a family, and we have not only obligations but also responsibilities to our greater family locally and globally.
1: Yeah. Um, Maybe a way to kind of carry out or just mental picture, Mm because I can't help but think of mental pictures, just part of who I am, Uh, would be to to think of yourself or think of this group of 12 to 20 people uh, of these are the people that I these are part of my people but there's always room for more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um of a round table or whatever just whatever you want to put it have enough space to accommodate all your all of your y'alls <laughs> <laughs> and but there's always room for uh more uh, people that you can uh, add to your circle
2: yeah a very inclusive type of a circle. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Wes, you already said it, but I think the question everybody's going to be asking, whether it ends, you know, we can all resume normal today, or if it's, you know, longer from now, the question everybody's going to be asking is, where's where are my people at? Yeah. And, yeah. Who, you know, and I so much of that, I think, is defined by, do we do we speak the same language? Mm-hmm. Do we speak yeah. the same faith language? Do we do you and I think similarly in terms of what is our identity? Mm-hmm. And I think um, those are going to be some tough questions to answer, but yeah. but I think, you know, on the bright side, I think resets are good. You know, everybody's talking yeah. about the great reset, yeah. but, um, but I think. I hadn't heard that <laughs> phrase before. That's a good great phrase. Reset. No, I haven't heard that. Yeah. It's uh that's in political terms right okay. now, but. I like that idea of reset. I like the idea of, you know, rising from the ashes. And yeah. this is this is tough. This yeah. has been brutal. But that's a good question to ask. Where are my people at? Yeah. And, well, and I
2: think that that's what the assembly is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Is And I love that analogy of speaking the same language. That's that's what's supposed to be happening yeah. in, in the assembly is we're learning to speak the same language.
0: Because that's something more and more, and I've appreciated that so much in the last year. Like finding people. I was talking to a friend recently um we were talking about praying and he was saying you know he was speaking to an atheist friend of his and and saying you know you know I'll pray for you about something and they kind of got offended by that mm. and and we both kind of had a moment of like isn't it great that we speak the same language that i can tell you i'm praying for you and you not only take that as he cares you know mm-hmm. my friend cares but you also take it as thank goodness somebody's sending up some prayers for me. Thank goodness yeah. God's hearing from somebody else on my behalf. That's a great thing. And it made me think a lot about how important it is to speak the same faith language, to you know, have those things in common, because like we keep talking about, that can overcome so much, mm-hmm. but it has to be the top priority. Mm-hmm. Because right. it, the, the faith language can't be secondary to anything. It mm-hmm. has to be the thing that governs, Every how we, t- I mean, like language, how we talk, how we think.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of those things of we speak the same language is, um, I work at a retail store, and I always feel a little bit on edge on how I say things and how I talk. Uh, one part of just the stress of the job, and the other part is um, if I say something offhand with the current climate. I could be on the business end of several people's wrath, and that I'd rather not have that. To mm-hmm. be perfectly honest, but then coming to church or speaking with fellow Christians, I don't have that stress because you speak <laughs> you speak my language mm-hmm. to a to a certain extent, yeah, and we can have those conversations without having that reservation of uh, walking on eggshells of yeah. Am I, is this the button, is this the phrase that's going to cause all the problems that mm-hmm. I've, anxieties and anxieties that I've built up for the past, insert how much time yeah. uh, this pandemic has gone or will go? Mm-hmm. You're right, because it,
2: it, every, and I think that that's something we have to recognize is that as Christians, every, every interaction is a possible cross-cultural experience. Mm-hmm. And it is when we read Scripture, because we are, as much as we're trying to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to... Retrain our language and our mind to be shaped by Scripture. We still are. I'm a white American, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, I am who I am. And so when I enter into the biblical story, it's a, it's a cross-cultural experience. And I'm trying to be conformed to that culture rather than my own culture. But then as I'm conformed to that, and as we collectively are conformed to that, then when we go out, like you said, Caleb, into the world, and we're interacting with people from our own culture, quote-unquote, who aren't believers that aren't part of our group, then it's a cross-cultural experience, and, and we have to navigate that so carefully, and it should be refreshing to be able to come and assemble with God's people, because like y'all are saying— now here this should be where we feel at home and there's a certain amount of relaxation but again it's even that is difficult because then you have different people from different cultural groups that are being merge together into the same family where we're all trying to be conformed, so you have even this potential of cross-cultural misunderstanding and cross-cultural experience going on even within the Church, but over time, as the Spirit does His work, that should get easier and easier and easier, and we should be more and more at home here because these are our people. We speak the same language, we have the same goals, we have the same faith, even if we don't literally speak the same language, even if our skin color is different, even if our nationality. Is different. These are our people. This is our language. This is our. Uh, this is our home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I've noticed recently, if I try to start from the like, let's start at the top. Let's start like. Let me throw out some terms for you. Like when I'm if I'm translating with somebody that isn't part of, you know, my faith that doesn't have doesn't necessarily speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start. Let me let me throw this at you. Let me throw. I remember I got into a discussion with the, the other day with uh, somebody who was agnostic. And so I threw out the term consciousness. I was like that we you know we can we can talk about that for a while. And that turned into talking about, you know, all sorts of things. Oh yeah. And I, so it's like finding the common ground yes. no matter how broad it is. Yeah. You know, start there, yeah. you know, and that's that's been an having that conversation was an encouragement to me to be like, okay, there's probably, I won't say always, but probably always a good place to start. And again, no matter how broad that is, if if you want to talk about if you if we need to go all the way back to talk it's about spiritual before we get down to the real heart of what it what it means to to be spiritual in Christ. Fine, we'll get there. You yeah. know.
1: Yeah, I
2: love that idea of common ground.
1: Yeah, uh, it, that kind of brought <laughs> brought me back to some of my coworkers at work. Um, uh, most of them are. Nominally Christian, or at least give the lip service to Christianity, sure. would be the more <laughs> would be my more cynical response to how that works. Um, uh, but I do have a pretty close friend who is a Muslim, and the two of us just, uh, apart from just being, uh, quick witted, twenty uh, something year olds, mm-hmm. uh, we get along really well because we both understand the spiritual religious aspect of life. Yeah. So we can go. Hey, you re- you heard the movie that came out uh, not too long ago about such and such. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Not a big fan of the how they treated the spirituality of things. I know, right? Interesting. yeah. Um, but then when I start talking about doctrines of the Trinity, yeah. I can actually see my coworker's face go from uh, pleasant to you know you're blaspheming in my in my language, right? I know, and as soon as you start correcting me on that, you're blaspheming in mind, that's <laughs> that's the reason why our religions don't get along, yeah. and then we just have and then we just continue on with that conversation, yeah. yeah. Interesting.
2: As we, I know we we've gone way way long longer than we normally do, but I want to end with this one statistic. Uh, this is from a Pew Forum research recently, and it says among those who expect their religious attendance habits to change, a greater number say they anticipate going in person more often than they did before, rather than less often. So that's an encouraging statistic, yeah, and I, I hope, hope so. that it becomes reality very soon. Me too. I really hope you enjoyed this Bible study, and I hope you'll subscribe to hear future episodes of the podcast. A big thank you to Travis Pauley, as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to all of you for listening. We love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.